Welcome to Coffee and a True Crime Dumpster Fire. This is a true crime podcast. That's right, a true crime podcast. For those in the back, I'll say it a little bit louder. This is a true crime podcast. This show is a show for grown folks. That little E over there next to my podcast, that means that we use some foul language every once in a while. Just every once in a while. Enough to flag it, you know. So, we talk about really generally vile, disgusting, and horrific things. Dismemberment, disembowelment, death in general. Lots of really horrible, terrible things. But we also, like I said, we cover the three key things that everybody in life enjoys. Coffee, true crime, and of course, dumpster fires. So, settle in. Come get warm by the dumpster fire. Make sure don't touch it, though. Don't want you to get burned. Don't want to get sued. Just saying. But, again, all kidding aside, you have been warned. Turn back now if you don't like that kind of thing. And by the way, I like my coffee black and my tea in the harbor. If you don't get that reference, you need to go ahead and turn back now. Otherwise, settle in and enjoy this week's episode of coffee and a true crime dumpster fire hey everybody welcome to episode five of coffee and a true crime dumpster fire i'm your host the mysterious mr c and uh let's get this thing started what do you say so this week the coffee of the week is black rifle coffee caf caffeinated as well you can figure the rest out folks Uh, they couldn't put it on the bag so you do the math on that one that one is you know i I had the one week i had the death wish coffee if you remember and that one you kind of went whoa Oh, man, there you go. For those of you that can still hear me, whoa, sorry. (laughs) Um, So we had that and the Death Wish coffee, and then now we have caffeinated AF, right? And that one gives you that same super kick, although it's not quite as acidic. More or less the same sort of flavor profile, pretty close. It's good coffee. It's five out of five for sure. Uh, They actually, Black Rifle Coffee actually has a subscription service. No, they are not a sponsor at all. I wish. But nonetheless, good coffee. So pick that up wherever you get. Actually, you can, I don't know, you really can't get it in the store. You have to get that online. At, and I will drop a link in the show description for you to be able to get your very own bag of Black Rifle Coffee CAF. All right, now let's get on with the show, right? So this week we're going to talk about the Jenny Jones murder. See, before social media, there was. The daytime TV talk show. That was everybody's sort of go-to was daytime TV. And, uh, you know, for the for the more refined folks, I guess, I guess you could say, you had Phil Donahue, Oprah, uh, she's still around, Ricky Lake, long gone, Dr. Oz, that quack, and then the doctors, of course, you know. And, and no, I'm not saying, I mean, I'm sure that he really is a doctor, but I just don't. Anyway, I don't like any of those TV, I mean, excuse me, TV doctors, ugh, bleh. Not necessarily something I would, I don't know that I would go to him for medical advice. I mean, I have an actual doctor. And then, of course, you have everybody's favorite, right? Maury Povich. Yes, this guy. You are not! Or, more famously, even known for this one. The lie detector determined that was a lie. Right? So, (laughs) you had Maury, and... Oh, oh, and who could forget, right? 
who could forget? You had Geraldo Rivera. That's right, Geraldo, folks, Geraldo. That's right, the guy that took us to Al Capone's vault. Uh, he took us to, where else did, oh, he even gave away troop position and movement in 2003 in Iraq. Oh, oh and, and who could forget this guy, Geraldo? He's the same guy that caught a chair to the face, courtesy of a Klansman, in the middle of a scuffle, sort of a, a racial scuffle, if you will, that he helped incite in the middle of his studio. So that's pretty much the bottom of the barrel. I mean, of course, then you get you can even get down to to the whole, you know, WWE or F or G or whatever wrestling. If you're a wrestling fan, I'm sorry, I don't mean to insult you. The bottom of the barrel sort of guys that um, that you have. You got Jerry and. He's like the the daytime TV. Uh, he's he's the the talk show equivalent of the WWE, right? It, like it looks good and it looks real. Holy cow, those guys are really trying to kill each other, right? Uh, but they're not. It's all sort of pre-planned, right? And for those of you, Jerry Springer does you know the whole I'm I'm banging your uncle's sister's sheep, or I've been sleeping with your sister, and Oh, yeah, I've been sleeping with... I mean, even his security guy spun up his own version of that same insanity. That's the true bottom of the barrel. But then, somewhere floating in the middle of all of that mess is Jenny Jones, right? This woman, of course, she was another one that was really after uh, shock value. Uh, She got... She had episodes like... I hate my own race, or a teen by a teen by day, vampire by night. You know, so she knew how to. Re- my teen's too hot. I hate my own. All those things. So she really knew how to push all of those right, all of those right buttons with these people. And arguably, one might even say that her or her produ- she Jenny Jones or her producers, they they found the people who were less sophisticated. I don't mean that. That doesn't. That sounds disparaging. I'm sorry, but that, you know the less sophisticated folks, that the gullible people, and it's not to say that it's not to say that that's a bad thing, but they're just not not the sharpest tools in the shed. Again, not disparaging anybody that watches it for entertainment, and they understand that the, these are the when when I talk about these, those these are the people that are actually on the show, the less sophisticated and more gullible folks. Somebody might even say that they might you might call them mentally ill mentally ill or at least mentally deficient. So this of course this sort of thing allowed them to do those kind of episodes, the I hate my own race and my teen is too hot or teen by day, vampire by night kind of garbage. So and they always had if you remember cuz show of hands who has actually watched that show? Yes, I'm for those that can't see me, of course, nobody can see me, except for you in the back. Thanks for showing up. But show of hands, my hand is up in the air for sure. Uh, who watched that trash? You know, I was home. You know, I'd be homesick or whatever, and that's about the only thing on TV in the middle of the day. So you got to do what you got to do, right? Uh, for entertainment purposes, and you know, so if you're if you're in your forties or fifties. 
you know, anywhere around that, uh, you've probably watched some of this stuff, staying home from school. Uh, uh, so you've watched at least one episode. So you've probably seen, during those episodes, you see the what they call the call to action, right? The, uh, the, if you or someone you love, not the, not the, uh, what do you want to call them? The, oh, and not the, um, the mesothelioma ones, but like the call to action, you know, the ones that want you to be on the show that they say, do you, someone you love, or do you have a secret crush and all of that? The secret crush, in fact, is how, um, we is is how we ended up with the Jenny Jones murder. If you're not familiar with the Jenny Jones murder, you had to have been living under a rock if you're over 40. Um, so March 6, 1995, on a soundstage in Chicago, Jenny Jones filmed an episode of they filmed an episode of the Jenny Jones show that would never actually air. To the live studio audience, she she posed this question: "Quote now, which of these ways?" Would you choose to reveal your secret crush on someone? A, would you write that person? B, would you tell that person in a private, in private, in case he or she rejects you? Or C, would you tell that person that you're gay and you hope he is too on national TV? Of course, everybody's seen that famous clip, uh, but nobody's ever seen the whole episode because it never went to air. And the crowd went nuts, of course, you know, if you're gay and blah, 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 over that answer of, of would you tell that person you're gay and you hope they are too? And sitting on that and that very sound stage that day was a man named Scott Emeter and a female companion. Her name was Donna. And I, for the life of me, and I'm sure it's out there and I'm sure somebody will correct me on this because as people want to do sometimes, I, all I know is her name was Donna. I don't know her last name. Um... Anyway, so sitting up there on that stage was Donna and Scott Emeter, and then sequestered in a, quote, soundproof room, unbeknownst backstage to him that they were talking about it, was a man named Jonathan Schmitz. He's told by a producer, allegedly. That's important that we put that in there, because there were lawsuits galore out of this. Um, anyway, so allegedly he would be learning who had a crush on him, and that it could be a guy or a girl. So, of course, he comes out, and there's the big reveal, right? And during the big reveal, Jonathan seemed really to be kind of a good... I mean, he seemed to be pretty good sport about it. He he kind of smiled and laughed and had that nervous laugh. But you could tell... Um, he seemed to kind of take it in stride, but you could tell he was definitely sketched out and uncomfortable. And he said, you know, I'm definitely... So they asked him after they revealed that, you know, Scott was the one who had the crush on him. They, they said, um, you know, they, they were like, well, Scott, you know, he was like, well, I'm definitely heterosexual. You know, I, I'm a straight guy. I don't think, I think he actually said I'm very heterosexual is what his words were. Uh, anyway, so it seemed, you know, eh, okay, it all kind of rolled out. No big deal. So, meanwhile, back at the ranch, all seemed right with the world a couple days, the, the next day, 299 miles to the east, northeast-ish, back in their hometown where Donath Donna and Jonathan and Scott all lived in uh, uh, Lake Orion, Michigan. 
and to get there, you had to go around the little finger of Lake Michigan down there. Um, somehow that makes some kind of weird mitten. I never really understood that. I failed geography, I guess. Uh, but anyway, it's in the main part of the the main part of uh, Michigan, a little bit to the northeast of Lansing. And uh, so the group gets together like on the seventh and eighth, and like the night, the ninth of the the night of the seventh and into the eighth. So this is the day after their big. Uh, shocking reveal and what have you <clears throat> and and according to depositions shown to jurors in the civil suit yes again there were lots and lots of lawsuits um, not really lots of lawsuits but there was a big lawsuit and we'll get to that spoiler but uh, according to depositions anyway in the civil suit that came out of it um, there were a couple of different people that claimed that Scott bragged that he'd had a sexual encounter with Jonathan, uh, one of which was a friend that he made on the Jenny Jones shows that day, a guy named Ronnie Perez. And we'll come back to all that. Yeah, that's right. The Jenny Jones show got the ever-loving shit suit out of them, for sure. I put that in my notes. I put that in the notes exactly that way. So anyway, uh, so then... Let's move forward to March 9th, 1995, the day of the murder. So Jonathan comes out that morning, I guess, and finds an anonymous, suggestive note that he assumed was from Scott outside of his apartment. Well, Jonathan just snaps. He's done. And he goes to the bank. He pulls a bunch of money out of his bank account, drives himself down to um, the local hardware store, I believe. Again, I, I really had a hard time finding specifically where he went. Obviously, he went to a gun shop of some sort. Uh, hardware stores, shocker, there are, there are hardware stores that sell guns. Um, but anyway, so he went and purchased a Mossberg pump-action 12-gauge shotgun and some shotgun shells. Then he drives his happy ass over to Scott's house, and he knocks on the door. They have a brief air quotes, conversation right there at the door. Jonathan says, I'm going back to my car. He goes back to his car. And then he he goes back out. He reaches in the trunk, pulls his uh, pulls the shotgun out, and he walks back up to the door. He pushes the door open, and he shoots Scott Amateur twice right there. Um, now, I've seen the crime scene photos. Um I watched a. I actually watched an entire show about um, a, an episode of uh, of a of a series on Netflix called Trial by Media, and the they cover all this same kind of stuff. One of which is they specifically spend an entire episode on the Jenny Jones murder. Uh, so I've seen the the uh, again I've seen the crime scene photos. So it's weird because. They, so he went inside the doorway, and according to the, and if you look at the crime scene photos, there's this chair right inside the doorway that's like overturned, and they say that uh, it's debated. He picked it. There's no, there's no debating the fact that Scott picked it up as 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 Jonathan pushed the door open with the gun. 
but the debate comes was was he using it as a shield or as a weapon did he throw it at Jonathan I guess that doesn't really matter Jonathan's got a gun he's got a 12 gauge shotgun that he's pointing at <laughs> that he's pointing at Scott <clears throat> um, inside the house that day totally unharmed was a guy named Gary Brady we'll get to him in a minute well we'll get to him right now um, so Gary testified at least in the criminal trial and he was at the house and he witnessed the shooting uh, he said that Scott yelled yelled something along the lines of Gary he's got a gun and that's when Scott picked up the chair and he was shot twice um, and at that point after he after he shoots after Jonathan shoots him twice he flees the house he drives down to a payphone, calls 911, and admits to everybody what he's done. You know, he admits to 911 what he's done. So, needless to say, he is, uh, he's now, go, he's been arrested. They, they hook him up right then. He went down, like I said, he went down to some, some payphone down the street. Picked up the payphone. Yes, that's right. It was the 90s. They didn't have cell phones, right? Uh, so he went and found a payphone. For those of you under about 25 years old, maybe even 30, a payphone is this nifty device. It's a landline. And and you put money in it, coins, you know, quarters. You drop quarters in it. And you could actually call people's other, other people's landlines. It's the craziest thing. Anyway, <laughs> so... Um, he, he lays the whole thing out in the 911 tape. I'm not going to play the 911 call. I don't I, I don't necessarily, I don't think for future reference, uh, unless there's something very specific about the 911 call, I don't think that it's necessary to play them. <clears throat> so, then in November, so in November of 1996, Jonathan goes on trial. He was charged. He was arrested, and he was charged with first-degree murder. Of course, everybody knows what first-degree murder is, right? You know, premeditated, thought-out, planned, etc. And I don't know. I mean, taking the time to go to the bank, from the bank to the hardware store or wherever it was that he purchased the gun, both those things require cogn cognitive effort. Right? I mean, you have to think that through. You have to have some sort of intent behind that. So to go and buy a shotgun and buy shotgun shells and then go to Scott's house, knock on the door, you know, all those things, to me, it's all very premeditated, right? One would think. I mean, you know, he again, th he took a great many steps to, it's not like, it's not like he did it, you know, where you got Scott shows up and says, I love you, man. I'm not making fun. But he shows up and says, I have a crush on you. And Scott, or Jonathan just blows him away. Or, or Scott shows up and tries to do something, uh, makes some sort of advance and he shoots him or whatever. It's not like that at all. I mean, there's plenty of time. 
I mean, if you really think about it, you go from the 6th of March all the way to the morning of the 9th of March when he goes, when he decides to go buy a gun of any kind, doesn't matter, but to buy a 12-gauge shotgun. There's no doubt when you buy a 12-gauge shotgun, you intend on killing something or someone. So, again, <laughs> he took the time to drive his happy ass all the way to the store and buy the gun and then drive himself all the way up to Scott's house, knock on the door, go walk out, you know, all those things. Those are all steps to me, and I'm not a lawyer, although I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express once. But, yes, I did go there. Um, but anyway, so, you know, you got this guy that goes through all of these steps to, to get to premeditated murder. I mean, there's no doubt that he's guilty because he admitted it. I mean, you have it on tape that he admitted it. So it's not really, there's no, there's no, there was never any dispute that he killed Scott. It's more of now they just are trying to decide to get a jury to determine if it was premeditated. And again, of course, we just covered all of that. Of course, it was premeditated. So really, what they want is to go to a sort of mental state. And I'm not saying not guilty by, men, by reason of mental defect or anything like that. Really what it came down to was a matter of, you know, of, um, is it, is it second, is it first degree murder or is it second degree murder because it was, you know, he was in a fog or whatever. Uh, and, and ultimately on January, or I'm sorry, on November 13th, 1996, uh, he was found guilty of, um, first degree of second degree murder uh, <clears throat> so he was sentenced then to uh, 25 to 50 years at that point on September on his you know they his sentencing he was sentenced to 25 to 50 years and on the 4th of Se of December 1996. So then, in May of 1999, the uh, an ambulance chaser, I mean the epitome of a personal injury lawyer, I know you know what I'm talking about, this guy, Jeffrey Figer, you should look him up, F-I-G-E-R, F-I-E-G-E-R, uh, he's like the epitome of, um, What's that guy's name? The character, the the ambulance chase, uh, the ambulance chaser lawyer from, um, uh, The Simpsons. Uh, that guy, I mean, really, just this ridiculous, totally, f I mean, full of himself lawyer. <clears throat> um, he argued that the producers of the show basically did everything but pull the trigger. Now remember I mentioned before that that Jenny Jones's producers and things they really um they really did sort of seek out those people that were less than they they weren't the most sophisticated people. I mean and I'm definitely I mean 
I'll be honest, I'm not that sophisticated. I, well, at least I wasn't then, at the age of 18, 19, whatever it was back then, when I'm the same thing, you know, 18, 19 years old. Uh, Jonathan was only 20, I think, something like that. Um, he wasn't that much older than me, or isn't that much older than me. But regardless, he wasn't necessarily the the most sophisticated individual. I mean, he's a smart guy, but he's a little bit gullible. I think every 20-year-old is a little bit gullible. So, um, the, a jury actually found that the that um, De- the Jenny Jones producers and the show and the production company, the whole bit, all of them, the studio, everybody, <clears throat> they they managed to award the amateur family twenty nine point three million dollars. Twenty nine point three million dollars. Um, Scott was retried in 1999 and found guilty again on second-degree murder. Uh, so he just continues on down to the um, down the same road that he was on with trying to, uh, you know, serve out his sentence, I guess. But he got good time, and in August of 2017... Schmitz was actually paroled, and he's out living the good life, right? Nice and easy street. Life on easy street, my man. That's the way to be. Um, and then you got, uh, in 2000, it's also, we should also note that in 2002, the Michigan Court of Appeals overturned that lawsuit judgment. Uh, it's not really clear why, other than, I mean, they, I don't think that, I think that, and ultimately, by the way, the Jenny Jones show went away. They they actually hung on the air for another like four years to like two thousand one, two thousand two, something like that. But I think with this though, they I don't think they really had any culpability, perhaps. Say, but it was not it's not good. It didn't look good on them, and I think ultimately that was their it was their downfall was that case and and. It was not, it just went badly. Um, they, again, it's all trash TV. Now we have social media, though, right? You know, we have uh, Facebook and Twitter and all these things. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that one. I know there's the Craigslist murder, and I think I'll cover that at some point, but uh, the Craigslist murders and. There was one other one having to do with social media. Um, but So there you have it this week. We're kind of short this week. It's Father's Day weekend, so I didn't have a lot for you. I, I, wanted, you know, I wanted to be consistent every other week, right? And so it was due, and this one was, seemed a little easier. So we powered through it on Father's Day of all days, right? Uh, and yes, I am a father. That's scary, isn't it? That's scary in and of itself. Woo! They actually let me parent people. They they left. I'm I'm responsible for raising little little. I'm I'm 
making little grown-ups, right? Anyway, thanks for tuning in this week. Stay safe, stay sane, don't get zipped in, and we'll see you next time. Also, this week's, I got a cover, sorry, just in case you were, you thought, you see, you thought you were going to get rid of me, huh, didn't you? Uh, this week's uh, sources, um, again, I'll put them like I did last week in the, or last last episode, I'll put them in the, in the show notes, uh, was the Washington Post, some YouTube videos, and of course the Netflix trial by media, uh, and Murderpedia, the Journal Times, and uh, AP News, and Newspapers.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.